hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Round handmade shmura matzah, which is the only matzah I eat during Pesach. But then again, we have others who want specifically the square machine matzahs. And today, in our remaining time, I want to share with you the story of a man who changed the way Jews celebrate Pesach. A person who had a profound effect on Jewish food in general. They call him the Henry Ford of the Jewish people. That's what they call him in the U.S. And let me just give you a little background about him, a little introduction. You know, we Jews, we've been eating matzah for more than 3,300 years. To put it exactly, 3,000 330 years this year. The first Pesach occurred in the year 2448 since creation. And now we're in the year 5778. So it's exactly 3,330 years. And that matzah still hasn't become stale. Matzah, that delicious bread made from flour and wheat and um, mixed with water and then to avoid it fermenting into chametz. The entire process, we know, has to take place within 18 minutes of the mix. It has, for millennia, it's been produced like this. We're talking about all the way since the time our ancestors left Egypt, the same exact method. Maybe today the production of it is just the shipping, perhaps, is more expedited, but exactly the same exact process made by hand, and you always had... Jewish adults kneading the batter into this thin, round-shaped dough, which obviously was swiftly placed into the oven and baked. And a few weeks ago, I had the privilege of being at the actual matzah bakery in New York City. There's so many of them. And got to see how the matzah is baked. Got to show my kids. And here in Johannesburg at Chabad House, we have the model matzah bakery where kids could come and see exactly how how the matzah is baked in a real matzah bakery. Well, as time passed, we know centuries have progressed and commercial matzah bakeries have opened up, but it's very different than the matzah baked at home back in the days. And obviously replacing the need for individuals to bake it in their own homes, but this process of doing it in the bakery, which initially and still today, as I've seen it done by hand, Many of the women that you see doing it to this day, that the people who I saw doing it were, as they say, old Russian babushkas, old Russian women, widows perhaps, and this is a way for them to earn a little bit of a living and maybe surviving from a previous life. This is the money they earn for their survival for the rest of the year. But this is a very taxing job. And to tell you the truth, when you look at the cost of Shmura Matzah, it entails all this handmade labor. A Bentley that's handmade costs a lot more than a Ford that's all mechanically produced. So with time, it became necessary to think, how are they going to ease the process? The Matzah has to be made within 18 minutes. It's time, it's labor, it's work. And there's a lot of law involved in it. If you look at rabbinic literature of the ages, all types of warnings to the owners of matzah bakeries, firstly, not to explore, to denigrate the workers, especially those who are widows, as the Torah tells us. And you think about the costs involved, 
if he could replace the hand labor, if he could replace all that arduous, laborious work that's necessary to produce and manufacture all these matzahs, that would be brilliant. And so something happened when all of a sudden the industrial era began. And the Industrial Revolution, which began in the 18th century in Britain, changed the face of human civilization, as we all know. In 1838, a man by the name of Isaac Singer, living in France, he invented the very first machine for matzo baking. And that machine received the approval of a number of French and German, East, uh, different European rabbis, and was used by many of the Jews living there. Far from the gigantic centers of Jewish life in Eastern Europe, these Western European Jews had a great solution. And so in 1838, matzahs began to be manufactured, produced by machine. But then in 1856, there was a Jewish baker in Vienna, living under the Austro-Hungarian Empire, created a even more efficient machine for matzah production. And the new machine, all of a sudden, being in Austria, much closer to the Jewish communities of Poland and Galicia, now it is heading, hitting the nerve center of Eastern European Jewry. And that's when all hell broke loose. Just one year before civil war began in the U.S., Jews in Europe experienced sort of their own civil war. But, as is often the case with our people, thank God, it wasn't a war of spears. It wasn't with ammunition. But it was a war of words and ideas. And one that's worthwhile for us to recap and to just examine for a few moments of time that we have today. In 1859, the question was asked to a very famous rabbi, Rabbi Shlomo Kluger. He was the rabbi of Brody in Galicia, which is today part of Poland, considering I have ancestry from Galicia, a little bit familiar with it. He was considered one of the two, one of the very, uh, the, the true Torah giants of his time. And the question was asked him whether matzah made by a machine was acceptable. Now, of course, this has already been going on for 20 years in France and Germany, but it didn't yet hit Poland, Galicia. And Rabbi Kluger, Rabbi Kluger, when he saw this, he said it's absolutely forbidden. He wrote a letter and he wrote that we have to take an example that we should not learn from the German Jews who have been using the machine matzah, but rather... We should follow the Torah and do what's right to make it by hand. And all of a sudden, he had the support of many other great rabbis of his era, including, just giving you examples of a few, where there were many, the, the Rabbi Yitzchak Meir Alter of Ger, the Chedush Yarim, and Rabbi Chaim Habelstam of Tzanz, who was known as the Diver Chaim, and Rabbi Avram Sachachov, who was known as the Avnezer, and as well as the the the, the, the Fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Marash, including the Rebbe Rashabu as his successor, and all the Hasidic masters, virtually all of them, opposed the manufacturing of machine matzah. They said this is something that has to be done avodas yad by hand. And around the same time, the same question was asked of another Torah giant, Rabbi Yosef Shol Nathanson, the rabbi of Lvov and Lemberg which also is part of Galicia, Poland. But he, after personally watching a trial run of matzah-making machine, 
he said that it was permissible, that we could use the machine-made matzahs. And now, of course, he got support from many other rabbis, including Rabbi Avram Shmuel Bersoifer of Pressburg, Bratislava, known as the Ksav Sofer. He was the son of the Chassam Sofer. Then you had Rabbi Sroll Lipschitz, famous German rabbi, author of Teferis Yisrael and Mishnah, and Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger. Many, many rabbis were supporting him, and this was mostly the non-Hasidic Hungarian rabbis who followed this position. And here you have a major civil war rivalry, conflict in the Jewish community. And as the matzah-making machine spread to other parts of the Jewish world, many rabbinic personalities from Lithuania and from Israel and other Sephardic countries all of a sudden were supporting and approving the machine-made matzahs. And yet the Hasidic rabbis of Eastern Europe were opposed to it. And this debate became very heated. And Rabbi Kluger he published 10 letters defending his position of his prohibition on use of the machine matzah. He called it a declaration to the house of Israel. And so there were these letters and then annulment of the declaration and backward and forward. And just about every major rabbi in Europe took a side in this dispute, supporting and opposing the usage of machine matzah in that time. Now, of course... Why were so many rabbis opposed to the machine matzah? We have to understand because today most Jews probably consume the machine matzah and it's hard to sum up the debate that lasted actually for decades. But let me at least touch on the main issues. And this will also explain how round matzahs became square because back then they were still round, but they were made by machine. Now one objection was, that, of course, the intricacy of the machinery makes it extremely difficult to know whether any dough remains in the grooves or the gears. The other day, I went with the rabbis of the basement to inspect the kitchens at the Velmore Hotel Estate where we're holding our Pesach retreat. And they had to make a call and decide on certain machinery in the kitchen whether it's usable for Pesach or not. So if dough remnants would actually stick to the machine, and we looked at these mixing machines that we want to use with potato flour, but when you're producing matzah, if after 18 minutes that would still be there, it would be considered chametz, and all the batches of dough that is inserted into the machine afterwards would be actually considered chametz. So the defending rabbis, they, of course, recognized that problem, but they said, that the machine would be cleaned very well between every single batch. And so there was no concern about that. Then there was a concern about round-shaped matzahs might lead to a problem because if the machine matzah was made in the traditional round shape, the way matzahs have been done for the last three millennia, then pieces of dough that would have been cut off and combined with a general dough mixture, again, there was fear of those pieces becoming chametz. And so they determined that instead of the machines producing round matzah, they came to an agreement that it will be square. So not as much about showing a distinction. This was more about preventing it from becoming chametz. And so there were more concerns. For example, the machine's motor would get very hot and it would heat up the dough to the point of concern that maybe it would cause it to ferment prematurely. Now, warm dough, we know, ferments swiftly, and that would be a problem. Perhaps also the metal material of the machine would cause the dough to ferment instantly, and again, we got more of a problem. So the rabbis argued, 
our tradition that fermentation occurs if the dough is left for 18 minutes applies to dough that was prepared by hand, but we have no tradition that if it was recurring in a machine. And of course, these were all concerns and backwards and forwards. Another concern was a social one. Many poor families depended on the matzah bakery for this job, for their livelihood, for their parnasa. And if the machines replaced handmade matzah bakeries, these indigent people would lose their source of income. And of course, this was a concern for the poor of the time. And there were various concerns. I'll give you one more concern of the time. That was, you know, that period saw the transformation of the Jewish world. And it was a process which began in Germany and France, but it quickly spread to the East, where a lot of Jews were leaving our fold of tradition. Many of the rabbis, and especially in the Hasidic communities, were concerned about the enlightenment and believed that changing anything within Judaism would have an impact on the continuity and the preservation of Yiddishkeit and would give off the wrong message. And of course, there were many of these concerns. And the most debated issue, and the one that's still relevant today, has to do with one more concern, and that is the word lishma. And here is a fascinating idea about how one little thing, for example, the Torah tells us that we have to observe, guard the matzahs, and we read the verse, what does it mean to guard the matzahs? Now, obviously, not that you should guard it from thieves who are coming to steal them. Because that doesn't just apply to matzah, that applies to everything. You want to protect all your possessions, and we want to protect all matzahs. So it doesn't mean you should guard it from becoming leaven, from becoming chametz, because that too is obvious. If you want it to be a matzah, you have to ensure, you have to guard it from becoming chametz. So rather, the Talmud explains that this verse, Ushmartem is matzah, tells us that when we make matzah, we have to guard it, we have to ensure that it does not become chametz with any conscious intention that the work of baking the matzah is being done for what purpose, for one mitzvah, and that is to bake matzah, to eat it on Pesach, as is the mitzvah of Pesach, to eat matzah. So if a person needed a dough for, say you go into a bar mitzvah, and then you baked it for 18 minutes, this matzah is still not kosher for Pesach. In fact, the matzahs that we bake at our matzah bakery at Chabad House where the kids learn all about baking matzah for Pesach, those matzahs are actually not fit for consumption on Pesach. And in fact, if your children come to our Chabad matzah bakery and learn all about it, it's lots of fun. But that matzah you could eat today because it's not actual matzah. It might taste like matzah, but it's not kosher for Pesach. Because of various factors and details of our concern about the matzahs that we bake at Chabad House, but one of the most important ones is lishma. The intent is integral to the performance of the mitzvah. And so machines, many of the rabbis argued, they have no consciousness and they cannot have the intention to knead the dough for the sake of a mitzvah. And so the matzahs produced by machine, according to the Hasidic rabbis who were opposed to it, they said were disqualified for consumption at the Pesach Seder because a machine cannot have the intention that a human being does. Of course, conversely, you had machine defenders who argued that since a human being with intention is turning on the machine and when he turns it on, he could say the Shem Matzah Mitzvah. And so, just as he has that in mind, and a human being, of course, is the one who makes the machine and programs the machine, 
Why does this have to be different than the woman who is kneading the dough and preparing it? Right? When you put the machine, just like the pin itself has no consciousness, the woman who's, who's rolling the dough has no consciousness and has no, you can't say a, a pin that's rolling dough has intention, rather it's the person behind it. Same you could apply for a machine. And the opponents of that said that electricity is enabled through manpower, koach adam, and only in the first moment of activity, then the electric current continues on its own, and this argument goes backwards and forward and forward and backward. And this is a fascinating argument, which I would love to share with you the results of it, perhaps next week. If you tune in here, soul to soul, next Thursday, between 1 and 2 p.m., I will try to share with you the fascinating resolution and why... This has had such a strong impact on our observance of Pesach to this very day. My dear friends, I wish you tremendous success and luck in all your preparations for Pesach. I wish you a pleasant Shabbos and Carpe Diem seize the moment. Looking forward to see you next week right here, same time, same time, same place, same station, where we will continue our discussion about the machine matzah versus the handmade Bentley matzah. Shabbat Shalom.